This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to the Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. Well, thank you guys for coming down. Thank you for having us. So I have a lot of questions for you guys. And one thing we were talking about before, and I want to talk all about the book, but I have to ask about the beard. And I already asked <laughs> yeah. you about this, but I'm going to ask the question again. How long did it take for you to grow that beard? Two months. Two months. And I mainly keep it this length all the time. You know, I'll, I'll trim. You guys I'll trim it. And well, because I like to eat ice cream. And when you try... <laughs> To eat ice cream, if you don't trim your mustache, I mean, it is just, it's, it's a mess. I would imagine a lot of stuff could be oh, messy oh, if yeah. not. Yeah, so it's not just ice cream. Yeah. yeah. I find things in there all the time. <laughs> like what? Like what? What do you Well, find? I mean, the most famous story is me and my dad were at our hunting camp, and a mouse tried to build a nest in my dad's beard while we were sleeping. <laughs> Kid you not. This is a true story. This true story. This really and I heard a thump on the wall. And I was like, "What? what is it? Phil was up, you know, dancing around. He said, a mouse tried to build a nest in my beard. Were there remnants of nest building in the <laughs> well, beard? Well, it just see? happened. It was in the middle of the night. But I thought, huh, yeah, that's... That's a that's a con of having a beard. <laughs> that's, so. Yeah, I never would have thought that mice building nests in yeah. a beard would be a problem. It was a pretty Before. rough camp, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I will say though, underneath all that is one smooth face. That's When's the last time you smooth. saw the smooth face? June 2010. <laughs> you remember exactly when it was? <laughs> that was the last time he shaved. And, and she, I said, ooh, I need to go get a facial because that looks really good. <laughs> my own daughter did not recognize me. You remember that, man? You were upset because... I remember, like, whenever you just walked out of there, so I'm, yeah. I just looked at you and I know who you are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we She's like, Mom, is... Yes, that's your father. That's your father. I just yeah. remember because he was wearing like pretty much what he was wearing right now. <laughs> you must have been shocked. It's sort of like, oh, this is crazy. I've never uh, seen this. You know, I'll never forget. His hair was kind of short too. Yeah, oh yeah, I got the whole hair cut off. And but I'll never forget the look on the barber's face when I walked in because I looked over and it said haircut and a shave. It was like fifteen bucks. <laughs> and he looked at me and I said, "You're fixed to get your money's worth here." <laughs> <laughs> how long did it, how long does it take to if you wanted to shave? How long would that take to shave? Oh, I didn't take. He he just, just he reached and grabbed, but it was all buzz. It was it was gone in three or four minutes. I can't get past a week or two without wanting to itch my face off. Yeah, you have to suffer you... from day seven to day fourteen. So there's a little suffering involved, but then and then it's pure bliss. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then well, you that's... got great camouflage, great warmth, and nobody will try to mug you. <laughs> Why wouldn't anybody try to mug you? Oh, they see somebody like me, they're like, no, it's not worth it. <laughs> people, if they don't know who I am, they get away from me quickly. I love it. Well, I would imagine yeah. a lot of people know who you guys are now at, the, no, at this do. point. Yeah, they do. So, so let me ask about the new book uh, that comes out tomorrow. Yes. Blessed, Blessed, Blessed. Three, three blessed. Why, mm-hmm. why that title? For our three children, Reed, Cole, and Mia. Reed and Cole came along pretty quickly after uh, we got married. Well, I'll say four or five years is when we started having kids. But when I mean quickly as in no complications, nothing really major in the pregnancies or the births, uh, there's a couple of funny stories in the book about those births. Jason yeah. barely made it to the second one. I was hunting. Yeah, was from the duck blind. blind. I went yeah. from the duck blind to the delivery room. 
Yes. And, uh, oh boy. Yeah. The doctor looked at me like, "This is this is what you show up like." <laughs> I'm like, maybe I should wash up. <laughs> but I made it. I was there. Yeah. So then, you know, there's a dot, dot, dot after that second blessed on that title. And that's mainly because that's the guts of the book. Uh, problems getting pregnant again and then problems with that pregnancy, having a tubal pregnancy, not thinking that we're going to be able to get pregnant again because of the complications. And that happened after that tubal pregnancy, which I talk about in the book. But then thinking, you know what? We're happy, we're satisfied with two healthy, beautiful boys. If that's what our family's supposed to look like, we're fine with that. And look up three months later, and we're pregnant with that little one over there. And how surprised were you? Pretty surprised, because when I talk about that in the book, because of my tubal pregnancy and the complications that happened after that, I lost one of my tubes. And it took us about eight or nine months to get pregnant with that baby. So I thought, you know, with two healthy tubes, and it took us that long, we're not really looking for anything positive to happen in the world of pregnancy again with just one. So we just kind of gave that to God and said, if it happens, it happens, but weren't, we weren't looking for anything like that. And then literally three months later, we were pregnant with her. So you sort of come to this point in your faith where you're like, okay, you know what, God, if this is what you want, that's fine, we're happy. And then, surprise, three months we later. We were blessed, blessed. Blessed, blessed. <laughs> At that point. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you know, try not to worry about things out of your control. and. Uh, Plus, having a miscarriage and these kind of things, they're so emotionally draining. And I mean, you're just like, okay, I mean, we're, we're just gonna put it in God's hands and, and move on. And then, then when we saw Mia on the ultrasound, at first, you know, we were just overjoyed. And then the second ultrasound, all of a sudden we knew, okay, there's gonna be some issues. And uh, so, and, and she goes into detail about that in the book. And so then we were pretty much why us? Why is this happening? You know, because yeah. we know this child is gonna gonna have some issues and some special challenges. And uh, the day she was born, I was, I guess, the first to see you when you when you came from your mom. And uh, Missy's like, "What about it?" Because <laughs> I, I had like, a sheet because she was a C-section, so there was a sheet blocking my view. So I was just waiting for those words because on the ultrasound we saw that she had a cleft lip but we were not able to see anything past that. So we didn't know if her palate was affected or, or what the extenses were. Right. So to, to hear that, you know, that first look, okay, how bad is it? And Jay said, I, I, the doctor said, Missy, she's beautiful. That doesn't tell me a whole lot. Right. So I said, Jace, I remember calling out Jace or Jason, I usually call him Jason. And he said, it's the palate too. Because he knew I needed to hear the truth. That's yeah. what I'm waiting on, is yeah. just to hear how extensive it is. And so when he told me that, I realized, okay, this is a bigger challenge than we were praying for and hoping for. So here we go. And how did you, in that waiting period before the birth, how did you process that? How did you deal with that? And you said there's a lot of sort of why us, which I think is the natural reaction. Yeah. How do you get through that? Because that's a lot of uncertainty for a long period of time. Well, you know, it had a totally different feel to the delivery room. I mean, you know, our first two boys, we were excited and, you know, they were telling me to shut up because I was making her laugh and, uh, you know, stuff like Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> but this was more tense because you're not real sure how big of a challenge that your child is going to have. And so 
I don't think you consciously think about that, but that's just what the mood was. And uh, we had a tremendous amount of family and friends there to support us, which turned out to be tough because once we knew that she was severe and she wasn't breathing well on her own, then the, the delivery room kind of turned into chaos. And now all of a sudden I was, you know, worried about what she looked like or what kind of problems she was having. And then I'm thinking, what, she can't breathe her on her own? So when I went outside to tell all our family and friends, you know, give them the update, I just couldn't speak. I was just overwhelmed with emotion. And I mean, it was a tough moment. But it was really a life-changing moment right there for me because I thought, you know, here I am worried about what she's gonna look like or whatever. I mean. We're at a stage now, I'm just wanting her to live and we'll yeah. deal with whatever happens. Yeah, absolutely. So I never really looked at anything uh, superficial or even the finances involved in all her surgeries because it's expensive. She's had like eight surgeries and multiple procedures. Then you don't care. You're like, she's alive, she's tough, it builds character, and uh, she's actually inspired us in a lot of ways and, and actually handled it better than us in, in some circumstances. I was just gonna say, you know, you, you're very brave, man, and having gone through all this, what what has sustained you, what has helped you get through all the surgeries and do so well? Lots of goofy juice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, I like whenever all my family's there, and we always just, cause I, I used to take goofy juice and now I don't like to take it. I stay up and then I like, we usually play cards before and then like I'm in the room and they're about to like put into a surgery and then just put this mask over me and then I'll fall asleep. But I like staying up and um, just telling everybody, everybody bye because I don't remember telling everybody with the, everybody bye with the goofy juice. She had three yeah. surgeries within 17 months wow. this past year, year and a half. So the first one of those, she took the goofy juice, which is really just to relax her and kind of make her sleepy so they can take her back and she doesn't really remember anything. The second surgery in the series, she decided, I don't want that stuff. I want to be awake. I want to be able to tell everyone goodbye. I want to play cards and remember it with my cousins in the pre-op bed. And I thought, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Well, we were encouraging her to take <laughs> yeah. it. I'm right. like, look, right. it's legal. This is the one time in your life it's okay to be drunk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the taste of it, yeah. and you don't get water after it. So oh, it's so it's like you can't get rid of that. that. And, when, and whenever I sleep talk, you know, I was like, <laughs> she had a little bit of slurred speech and so we were just kind of ignoring her because we couldn't understand her and so she went hey I have a request we're like okay everyone stop and let's listen she wants to brush her teeth I said well you can't do that <laughs> that, is, that is too funny well you're very brave I mean it's it's very hard and I would imagine for you guys watching I mean I don't even want to ask the question, what, what is it like? Because I can't imagine what it's like. But how do you, I guess, how do you get through watching your child in pain? Yeah, I don't really know if you can really put that into words because we've been through so many surgeries and each surgery is so different. There are some like, you know, some of the staff will call them a minor surgery, but there's really no minor surgery when you're handing your child over and they're going under anesthesia. Nothing about that is minor. To the medical staff though, they have levels. And I know that too from our perspective for recovery purposes. There are some recoveries that are much easier to go through. 
the ones this year were the hardest we've ever gone through. And even though we had a lot of great things going into the surgery, new technology, new inventions, they were still very serious. So these, the ones this year were definitely the hardest that she's ever been through physically because we had to really pay attention and do some manual work ourselves on her every single day for three weeks. We're four and a half hours away from our surgeon. So a lot of responsibility landed on me to take care of her and then to take her back to Dallas and make sure that I was doing everything correctly, right. bring her back home, continue. Yeah, we so basically, it was pretty hard. The, the surgery and, and, and the issue moved her jaw an inch forward, her top jaw. So. Wow. Okay, I have a story. So they were like, <laughs> Dr. Jenna came after like the second time, they had to like go into my mouth and turn it, but my face was still swollen. So they would have to like turn it to move up my top jaw. And he, some, he usually let parents like come in every single day and let like, him turn it. But since we were four and a half hours, we would still have to. But he, for some reason, thought it, mom was like an experienced doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, he then after she was he's like, what? So you're not a doctor? And she was like, never was a doctor. <laughs> well, she's worked in some third world countries, you know, in in surgeries and but just helping. As a volunteer. Yeah, as a volunteer, and uh, there was a little misunderstanding about her <laughs> medical training because she had shown the doctors some of these pictures when she was in the Dominican Republic. That's where you were, mm -hmm. and uh, so. But I, you know, somebody was going to have to move this contraption, and uh, it really was grueling to to watch because she usually bled, and it was a lot of pressure, and you had to do it. The last week we had to do it three times a day, and uh, you know it, it's tough. What got me, what helped me through it is because we're proud of our faith, and you know when I think about God sending Jesus to to Earth, you know here's Jesus, innocent, never did anything wrong, and he endured the cross, all this suffering, for everyone else's benefit. I mean, I kind of thought that the same way with handing off our daughter. I thought I know she's fixing to suffer. But I know this is what is best because it's real hard to hand your child off, especially when she was really young. It's just hard to actually physically hand them over. Yeah, you're just like mm. for something that's very invasive and that needs to be done, but that it's scary. It's uh, and it's, it's voluntary, just, you know, really, because it's not like she's been involved in a traumatic accident right. and they rush her in. It's scheduled. It's preparing. Mm -hmm. It's getting everything ready, and then voluntarily handing your child over because you know this is what's best for them. Well, and she needs it to help breathe and talk and To, to improve her overall yeah. quality of and life. I mean, at first it, we f it was more serious, you know, but once they had a pallet in place, that was what, after? Seven and a half months. Seven and a half months. Uh, you know, we felt better about everything because she was really having a tough time eat, eating. Every time she would try to eat, everything would just come out. I mean, there's there's nothing. If you don't have a palate, you just think you put milk in, it just comes yeah, back out. Yeah. There, and it was painful to watch. She would get choked, and you know you couldn't sleep very well because she's constantly choking and having breathing difficulties. And it was just you know it's all a blur now. The first year, but you know you're talking about just couldn't get comfortable because we're like, I mean, yeah. we don't want her to choke. So uh, 
yeah, as parents, it has to be immensely difficult. And now, and now you guys have this huge platform that you've had, mm-hmm. and you're sharing this story. Mm-hmm. And so I guess one of the big questions about the book that I have is, what is your hope that the book will do? What do you want readers to sort of leave thinking and feeling? Well, the reason I wrote it, I want people to be encouraged by our story. It's not just about us and, you know, the three of us, the five of us in our family with our two boys. We've made it. She's doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, she's, <laughs> she's a still joke she here. she That's has great. a positive spirit. We've found who we think are the best doctors and their team for her for our daughter, and they are making strides constantly with new inventions and new ways to do these procedures to better the quality and also to to lessen the recovery time, which is not just great for the kids but great for the family yeah, to get back absolutely. to regular lifestyle mm-hmm. and get on with their life. And so. We just feel very blessed to where we are. Not that we want to, I I mean, I'll push them on somebody if they want to know because I think they're great. But this opportunity, hopefully, we, we, the Miyamu Fund came out of this opportunity also with this platform. We want to be able to share our story to encourage people and then also be able to have a place where they can get a lot of information, which is miyamu.org, something that we didn't have a whole lot when we were diagnosed with this. We tried searching different websites and uh, calling medical schools. Now we've compiled what we think is a lot of very thorough and helpful information for parents when they're diagnosed with this. They go to miamu.org. They can read all about it and see before and after pictures. They can look at Mia's team and see what they've done with her and give them some kind of hope and encouragement that they can do the same thing. They can find the best doctors for their child, but also help them financially because we were in that boat. We were working, both of us were working, we had medical insurance, and after her first three procedures during that first year of life, we were in debt over $12,000. That was after insurance paid everything, and that was after even the team wrote off some because our insurance only paid so much. Wow. So, you know, looking at us living paycheck to paycheck, we thought, how are we gonna do this? Well, we just thought we'd be in debt the rest of our life. That's right. Right. Which was fine. Yeah, you do what you have to do for your children. But still, the stress of being in debt, knowing we're the type of people that we're going to pay it off. We're not going to try to figure out a way to to get out of that. We owe these people this money. We're going to pay it. And that's stressful to try to figure out how to do that. So we want to relieve that stress from, you know, hardworking parents who are doing everything they can for their children right here in America. That's great. Let me ask a later question now. What, and I asked your brother, I asked Willie this, and he had a really funny response to it. But what is the, and, and I want to know from both of you, what is the craziest or weirdest thing, and not to put you on the spot, but that has happened since Duck Dynasty with the fame? Has there been any incident you could think of? Oh, there are several incidents. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think the uh, craziest one, I guess this is PG-13. Are you 13? you're 12. I guess it'll work. Uh, I was doing an event down in South Louisiana, and there was a couple that spotted me in the parking lot. I was like 10 minutes away from going, and I was seeing everybody go. It was at a retail store, but I was just doing like a signing or whatever. And this couple spotted me. They come over there, and uh, they had their little boy with them. This girl is like screaming, I'm your greatest fan. I'm your number one fan. Well, I was like, I got to get out of my truck and leave because she's, I mean, she was screaming at the top of her lungs. <laughs> like crazy. Did it, did it cross the line into crazy a little yeah, bit? Yeah, it was crazy. And so 
she just kept on well as i was trying to walk away she's like no i'm telling you i'm telling you and they just came <laughs> running up and she said i am your number one fan let me show you and before i could even blink she was pulling down her shorts and she had got a tattoo of our duck commander logo south of the belly button <laughs> and was showing me in the middle of a parking lot and uh i looked oh, wow. over at her husband because i thought this just got real awkward <laughs> right. and he just looked at me like like he was proud <laughs> oh he was proud what's wrong with people and i thought Oh. You truly may be our number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was crazy, you know. And it, what's is weird is then that she stood in line with her husband, and when they came up in the line, she said, remember me? I said, one thing's for sure, I'll never forget you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Cy came on um, the podcast, and he gave us his home address, and we had to bleep oh, it out. And no, he told us that people no, come no. to the house all the time. So yes. that was Oh, well, they yeah, do. Yeah. We all have gates now because mm -hmm. that became a problem. Church Bowl.